Today's passage is from the book of Hebrew, chapter 2, verses 5 to 18. It is not to angels that he has subject the world to come, which about, we are, which about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of the salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who made people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to the, my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he said, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared the humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And three, those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fears of death. For surely it is not angel he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he has to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. All right, thanks, Ernest, for reading. Salvai for praying. Let's keep that uh, passage open. Actually, we're not in a series on Hebrews. It's, uh, yeah, it's Christmas, and what we're doing this year is uh, going through carols. I mean, it's a special service, of course. This is the last 11.30 service, right? It's very uh, emotional. <laughs> now, it uh, will be great to go to one service. But, uh, yeah, we're doing carols this series. These songs that we sing every year. And carols are great, but you just hear them everywhere, right? You know, you walk through the streets, you hear carols. You, you go to the shopping centers, there's carols. This week I was standing in a public toilet. I hear a carol, uh, yeah, it's everywhere. And it's, it, you know, it, it feels nice, it, it feels kind of warm and festive, right? Christmas is coming. And yet we, we should realize that these are hymns, right? This is worship of Jesus. These are such beautiful songs that, yeah, the music we're hearing, 
I mean, we often don't think about it, right? Most people here in Hong Kong, they really don't think about this music. That came home to me uh, very strongly about 20 years ago. I'd just become a Christian, um, and I went to visit my parents. Um, they are not Christians. Now, I'm from the Netherlands, and what we did in my hometown, uh, there was carol singing on Christmas Eve. So on Christmas Eve, a lot of people would gather in a town square singing carols all together. You know, and, uh, my parents usually used to go there. They would really enjoy that. Uh, I thought, well, carols, great, right? Singing. Uh, so I came along. Well, I really hated it. I really couldn't stand it. Why? Because these were all these beautiful songs about Jesus. But, but these people, they, they were drunk or they were fighting and cursing. They, they just they did it for fun, right? They didn't do it out of worship. They, they didn't believe in Jesus. And so I felt this just so dishonored him, and I couldn't stand it. And after two carols, I just went, uh, went to the car and waited there. And my, and my mom, you know, she, she asked me, you know, why? And we talked about it, and look at these lyrics. And she just realized, what? Actually, she never thought about what she's singing, but, you know, she's not a Christian. It was a bit of a sensitive time. I'd just become a Christian. And she just, what, glory to the newborn king. Well, I don't believe that. Come and let us adore him. No, I hate Jesus, right? It's, it's we, she, and now she's never been back since. Suddenly, carols, she saw what they were. This is Jesus. This is worship. And so, yeah, I've, we thought, you know, let's think about these carols together. Let's think about... You know, what they're about. Let's try and understand them and, and make them again worship. That's what I'd love us to do, uh, this series. Uh, and today, today, uh, what are we doing? Hark, the herald angels sing. Uh, one of my favorites. But, you know, it's a great, but it, there's so much depth, right? And so much things we don't even know. Like that word hark. Well, what does the word hark mean? Do you actually know that? Listen, yeah, that's right. It means listen, right? Listen, the angels are singing. That's basically what it is. Hark the herald angels sing, right? It's, a, it's basically from Luke 2. Uh, you know, the shepherds out in the field, and there's the angel, and then all the angels show up. Uh, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory, peace, favor. That's what we sing, right? Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, and mercy mild, and favor. Well, God and sinners reconciled. Uh, it, it, it's, it's the scene of the angels. Actually, that, that whole first verse, uh, because uh, there was this angel at the start, right? And the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, who is Christ the Lord. Yeah, the great joy for all the people. And so, yeah, all nations, please rise and you know, proclaim together, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Uh, real Christmas, wonderful hymn. But I think why I love this carol so much is it's uh, actually the second and the third verse. The next few verses. Because we leave Christmas behind in a way. There's no more donkeys. No more shepherds, no more wise men. It's all theology. <laughs> Basically, what is really going on? You know, Jesus was born. What does that really mean? And so the, I'm going to go through the second and third verse, and I want us to just, again, see how amazing Christmas is. What a, a wonderful thing.
So the first thing, the second verse, what is Christmas really about? Well, God took on flesh, right? God took on flesh. That's what we sing. You know, Jesus, yeah, he was the eternal God, right? Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the, the everlasting Lord, right? The, the everlasting creator. But he became a human recently, yeah? late in time. Behold him come, uh, offspring of the virgin's womb. He became human, which is such a paradox, right? The, the eternal God becoming uh, a man, uh, a human. How can that be? You know, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. God could be seen, right? Jesus was here. You could see him. You could see God. And, and yet, you didn't really see God in some ways, right? In some ways, you saw just a human. It, it was veiled. It was hidden. So special. But, but that's the thing, right? For, to go from everlasting God to become a human, what an incredible step that is. Now, of course, we need to have a Bible passage, so uh, I wanted to look at this uh, passage in Hebrews, which is, I think, the, the, the most Christmassy passage outside the Gospels. I mean, there's no, again, there's no shepherds, there's no donkey, no manger, but just talking about Jesus becoming human. And, um, yeah, you've heard it so often, right? It's about how Jesus shared our humanity, how he took on flesh and blood, uh, of course, again, here, again, he is the great creator. Uh, look at uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Uh, in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and for whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. I mean, that's the baby we're talking about, right? The baby who made the universe. The baby who was there in the manger, and at the same time he was holding the whole creation together by his powerful word. It's incredible, right? But he became a human. He came down with such humanity. He came to live our life, the human life. This quote from Psalm 8 what is mankind, that you're mindful of them, a son of man, that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. He, he, be, he fulfilled what we should have been as humans. A little lower than the angels. I mean, for, for us, that's positive, right? This is what God thinks of human beings. We're, we're the image of God. We're very special, right? We're a little lower than the angels. You know, it, People in the world think humans aren't that much. No, you're a little lower than the angels. For us, that's a privilege. And so the psalmist, wow, amazing, a little lower than the angels. But just think about Jesus. You're God, and you become a little lower than the angels. What a step down. I was reminded, I don't know if you know A.W. Tozer, a great writer. He, he, he just talked about something like this. What, what did he think of angels? Well, we mustn't think of God as highest in an ascending order of beings, starting with a single cell and going on up from the fish to the bird to the animal to man to angel to cherub to God. Right? That's how we often think. You know, God is he's just the top of this scale. No, forever God stands apart in light unapproachable. He is as high above an archangel as above a caterpillar. For the gulf that separates the archangel from the caterpillar is but finite, while the gulf between God and the archangel 
is infinite. That is the God we worship. He is transcendent. He is so, you know, if God would become an archangel, that would be like, whoa, what a humility. <laughs> Do you ever think of that? But that is what Jesus did. He became a, he took on created flesh. The creator became a creature because archangels are creatures. Humans are creatures and he is the creator. And, and, and not just, you know, one, uh, an archangel. Because the thing is, this passage says, look, it's not about angels, right? Jesus, amazingly, he became, well, he, he wasn't interested in angels. He became a human. He became one of us. Right? He shared in our humanity. He became our, our family. All those verses. Uh, verse, uh, well, that, that's again the hymn, right? Pleased as man with man to dwell. He came to live with us as one of us. Uh, verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Uh, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Uh, we're family. Verse 11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Right? Jesus joined our, our family, which is quite an amazing thing. Right? I mean, look at the human race. Look at the world out there. Aren't we the most dysfunctional family there ever was? And yet, well, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He came to us. He became our, our, our family. And, and not just for a little while. Right? Jesus, you know, becoming flesh, that, that was permanent. I don't know, a few weeks ago I spoke here on marriage. You may remember that. And you know, marriage... No, it's for the rest of your life. You often think marriage is forever. Actually, but actually marriage is not forever. Uh, the world record for marriage is, is 86 years. Kind of a couple in their hundreds. Uh, 86 years. You know, if you're married, your marriage will be at most 80 years probably, right? Probably less. I remember once I was talking at a camp about marriage and I, I said, uh, you know, your marriage will last at most 80 years. And there was this woman in front and she said, ah, thank God. <laughs> Don't know what her husband thought, but, you know. But that's the thing, right? I mean, marriage, you know, make very, be very careful who you marry. It's a real commitment. And yet, even if it doesn't work out, it's only 80 years, right? You're going to have all of eternity to not be married. The thing is, for Jesus, it was permanent. His commitment to us, joining our family, was, was permanent. It, it wasn't just 33 years. Right? The father, hey, son, uh, you need to become a human, but don't worry, it's only 33 years. Whew, thanks. No, Jesus became a human permanently. It's now been more than 2,000 years. He's still human. 10 billion years from now, Jesus is still human. That's how much he is committed to us. That's how much he cares and loves us human beings. Isn't that amazing? Someone who is so committed to you, not just for 80 years, committed to you for the rest of eternity. That is what it means for Jesus to become, or to take on flesh. And of course he did that. You know, that was, that was an, of course amazing, but he did it for a reason, right? That's what I love about this carol, it is all about the reason, the third voyage, right? It doesn't just say how he was born or who was born, but why was he born? 
And that comes in the third verse. Uh, this beautiful image of, of this, the, the, yeah, the son of righteousness. Now, uh, just a little quiz, because people are often confused about this. Uh, what, what is the actual word in the hymn? Is it the son of righteousness or is it the son of righteousness? Son, S-U-N, or son, S-O-N? Can I see some hands? Who thinks it's son, S-U-N? He will, a few people, son. Who thinks it's son, S-O-N? Okay, that's most of you. Actually, it's the son of righteousness. S-U-N, right? Jesus is the son of righteousness. Uh, it's, it's actually from an Old Testament prophecy. Uh, prophet Malachi, the last book written before Christmas, a few hundred years earlier. And the people were having a hard time. They were serving God, but not much was happening. And they were waiting. You know, when is God going to come? And God kept promising, no, one day I'll come. Right? My, the Messiah will come and he was going to bring everything. He's going to make everything right. And how is that described? Well, but for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And the Son rising with healing in its wings. Now, wings, that's just a literal translation of Hebrew. It means uh, the rays, right? Uh, for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, says the NIV. But isn't the Son a beautiful picture? Because the Son, of course, it's bright and glorious, but the Son does something, right? It has these rays that bring, well, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in its wings, right? The, the, the Son brings something. Jesus is that sun. You know, Christmas, we often think about the light in the darkness, right? Everything is so dark, but there's this one beautiful light. And that's a beautiful image of Christmas, right? Except that that's only the beginning. In the end, well, the sun will rise. In the end, right, there's no more darkness. There's no more cold. It's just the sun bringing light and life everywhere. I mean, this is Hong Kong, right? I mean, it's now winter, but in the summer, and, and the sun is blazing, and it's just so hot, and it is so bright, right? Isn't, you know, you want to, it, it's inescapable. Well, that is one day, Jesus will bring light and life, and it's just inescapable. The whole world flooded with warmth and life. That is what we're talking about. But, but what is that? What is that light and life? Well, he came to save us from death. Jesus came to save us from death. That's those last few lines, right? Mild, he lays his glory by. Why? Well, born that man no more may die. Born that we would no longer die. Born to raise the sons of earth, being raised from the dead. Born to give them second birth. I mean, birth is about life, right? It's not about death, it's life. All of this is about being saved from death. That's what he came to do. That's why he was born. I mean, I I've, I've think you've heard it in the reading, right? So often. I mean, it talks a lot about suffering and temptation. The human life isn't great. But let me read verses 14 and 15 again. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Right? Death, death, death. That is why Jesus was born, to deal with death. I think it's quite a description of humans, right? 
held in slavery by their fear of death. Actually, all of human life is basically trying not to die. You're a parent, you have your kids. How much of child rearing is trying to protect your child? Uh, don't put your fingers there. Uh, don't put that in your mouth. Uh, watch for you cross the road, right? <laughs> That's parenting, trying to get your child not to die. And of course, then now you're my age, and it's about you know, exercise and eating healthy so that I don't just get a heart attack somewhere. Got a medical checkup uh, in a month's time, right? The fear of death. Even in the little things. I mean, I live in Wukaisa, a bit uh, remote, and I was walking through this subway. And then suddenly behind me, I heard this scream, this woman, ah! Well, it was a snake. <laughs> a bamboo pit viper. Uh, it's a very common venomous snake. But yeah, why did she scream at this snake? Fear of death, right? We're all afraid. And we've seen it with COVID, right? Come on. Certainly in the beginning two years, I mean, we've now had no cases for nearly eight months, but in the beginning, right, everyone's staying at home, uh, everyone watching out, I, I won't go there, I won't go there. Fear of death. That is the human condition. But the thing is, it doesn't work, doesn't it? And there was not many people around who heard this hymn the first time. Death caught up with all of them. Maybe you have a relative who died. We, we all know, right? Death is very, very real, and we don't have the power to avoid it. I mean, who has the power in this passage? Well, the devil. Yeah? Jesus came to destroy the, him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Now, we, of course, ultimately, the power is God's. Why does the devil have the power? Well, because we joined his side. Right? He came to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve chose his side. They chose sin. And with sin comes death. And now, in a way, Satan has us in his power because we were following him. You know, we, we may think that when we sin, we follow our own way. No, we're following the devil. And, and that brings death. And, and we can't escape that, right? We can't escape death. Except that Jesus came to break the power of death. He came to deal with this tyrant, to deal with the one who had this power over us, who was standing over us. He, he, he's our hero who gets rid of the bad guy. That's who he is. He came to save us from death, right? And surprisingly, uh, he came to save us by dying himself, right? By his death, he destroyed the one with the power of death. Or verse 9 at the end, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus came, yeah, to taste death for everyone. The death that we face, the death that we deserve because of our sin, he took it. Which means justice is served, which means our sin is paid for, God and sinners reconciled, saved from death. Isn't that wonderful? You know, if you just think about that, that you now no longer need to fear death. I mean, we can still die, eh? don't go and live irresponsibly. But even if you die, what will happen? Well, born to raise the sons of earth, right? You're going to be raised and you're going to live forever. One day the sun will shine. One day in one go, right? In a hotel room and, you know, blackout curtains and you open it and woof. That is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to come back and death is gone. One day. But that's why he was born. 
right? He couldn't die for us if he if he's immortal. He can't live our life if he's the creator God. And so he joined our family. He got a human body so that he could die in our place. And, and that's wonderful. And we have no more fear, right? No more fear of death. And Hong Kong is a place of fear, right? Fear that you, you don't work hard enough. Fear that you don't study hard enough. Political fear. You know, so much fear. We, we don't need to fear anymore as Christians. Because Jesus came to take that. Isn't that wonderful? You know, your future is life. And so, yeah, well, when you hear this hymn, right, that's, that's what we're singing. We're singing about God taking on flesh to, to save us from death. Isn't that such a joy, such a wonderful thing? You know, next time you, yeah, I don't know, where you, you're standing in an elevator and you hear this carol. Can't you just say that to yourself? Sing it along and born that I no more may die. What an amazing truth. Born that, that you know, I would be raised to give me second birth. The thing is, we, we, we don't think about it, right? But, you know, when you hear this, remember it. I mean, sing it for yourself, right? You're walking to work, you know, sing these carols and, and, and encourage yourself. I recently started doing that, more singing uh, all the hymns from my old church that I used to love. It's been so great to just sing this and, you know, who knows? Maybe if you sing, people will ask you, why are you singing that? <laughs> huh? I mean, this is what a great way to explain the gospel, right? We all hear these songs and you sing it. Well, why do you love this song so much? Well, because it says Jesus was born so that I would no longer die. And, and I'm very thankful for that. Why? Uh, well, who is this Jesus? Well, veiled in flesh the Godhead, see. He, he is God coming down here and, and we can see him. You know, did, how do you know there is a God? Well, we've seen him here on earth because he came down. Right? These hymns are just, in a way, great to explain the gospel, right? I, I hope we'll do that. But, but actually thinking about this passage, I, I think the thing we need is, you know, it, it's just for ourselves, right? Christmas should give us so much joy if we really believe this, if we really know this. I, I mean, the Bible says, well, what will it be like, right, when the sun of righteousness shines? Well, you will go out like calves leaping from the stall. I mean, the problem is the Bible is written to farmers. Farmers really knew what it was, right? Here are calves uh, coming out of the stall. I thought, uh, here's a little YouTube video. Can you see that? <laughs> You've been locked up the whole time, and now suddenly you come out. I didn't know that, you know, cows would be like this. But this is what you should be like as a Christian, right? If you are a Christian and you know that Jesus has saved you, in a way you should be leaping and jumping for joy, right? The only thing is we don't, right? This is our life. We're just running back and forth. Uh, we have our deadlines and we have our office parties and we have work and we have exams and it's all the stuff we must do. This is right life for us now and we, we just don't think about it. It's so sad. We're being raised by Jesus. Yeah, there's one day in the future, but I'm not going to think about that now. I've got too much to think of right now. And so we forget it, and we were just a joyless bunch who just, even Christmas. You know, I don't know what you think of Christmas. I, I was praying with a friend of mine earlier this week, and he hates Christmas. Because Christmas is just endless things, and there's the tough. 
It's all the stuff we need to do. And, and there's things at church and events that we need to invite and we need to serve and all these things that we do. And yet then we miss Christmas, right? Christmas is not about what we must do for God. Christmas is about what Jesus has done for us. And we so, we, we, we just forget it, right? So can I encourage you, right, for this Christmas, please take the time to sing, to think, to just meditate, and, and, and then to praise and thank. Use these words, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you laid your glory by. Thank you that you, you were born for me so that I would no longer, and please, uh, I, I want us to be changed. I want us to be so joyful about the gospel. Uh, Please, you know, please do these things. Please invite people. Uh, I would love to have a full service here next week on Saturday. And yet, let's make sure we have this joy in our hearts, right? Why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, we praise you. We thank you uh, for your humility, for your grace, your love, everything you did for us. We are thankful and we confess that we are just too busy with our lives. We don't have the time to think. We don't take the time to worship you, to give you the, yeah, what is so good for us to just know your love, to know what you've done for us when you came down, when you became a human, uh, to die for us and save us. Please, would this be a, a joyful Christmas? Would it be a Christmas where we uh, see again see more clearly what you've done and who you are uh, would it change us would it give us joy would we be leaping for joy because we finally see more clearly your love your power your grace in jesus name we pray amen